You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Tim Brooks. Well, we want to welcome you to lesson number three. We're in the study of the Sermon on the Mount. I want to just pick up right where Paul left off last week. Turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's law and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of God. This teaching about the law is vital for us. And and still today, from this point, I'm all the way forward, still today, we struggle with the position of the law and the prophets, that'd be the Old Testament, and our life in the New Testament under the New Covenant, under the dispensation of grace. And this has been going on since this time. I mean, the, James devoted his whole writing to trying to get us to understand the marriage between grace and works, the understanding of the law and the prophets and what Jesus did and what Jesus didn't do. And this is in, in vital that you get this. I didn't come to do away with this. We, we've got to understand what's being said here. Jesus in this next section of his teaching is going to talk about God's intent, the intention of God. And we're going to see the law says, um, d- don't, don't commit adultery. Well, I say, let's talk about lust. Let's talk about a heart issue. Jesus is moving the law from written out here on a stone tablet to a condition of our heart. See, our relationship with God was in terms of do's and don'ts. Uh, rules and regulations and us just obeying those rules and regulations. There was no, there was no inner witness. There was no inner dwelling of the Holy Spirit in the heart of man. See, God, if God wanted to talk to you, you had to catch a bush on fire and a voice come out of it. God didn't just speak to your heart. You weren't just driving down the road and hear, you ought to call so and so. Hey, it's been a while since you checked up on somebody you needed. You don't hear God's voice constantly speaking to you throughout your day. There was a God void in our life through the old covenant era, and God only spoke to us through the law and the prophets. Well, Jesus is moving us into the era of God living on the inside of us. So what we're going to talk about is God's intention in doing the law, giving us the law to begin with. Jesus is showing us in this next section that we're going to be studying that God's intent was not just the law in and of itself, but it was a control of our flesh, of our carnal nature through a changing of man's heart. We're going to later find out we're talking about it. It's called being born again. 
But we won't talk about that yet. But that is what we're talking about here, a change in the condition of your heart. So anytime you see Jesus or the Apostle Paul condemning the law, they're talking about the scribal law or what we refer to as the oral law that is a constant progressive interpretation of God's law. Okay, we know God, the Bible says God worked six days, on the seventh day he rested, and he said, keep the Sabbath day holy. That's what God said. Okay, what's that mean? Well, I got to feed my oxen on the Sabbath. They got to eat every day. Well, I'm going to go to hell. I mean, God will judge me if I see my relationship with God is keeping that law. Well, I need to know, can I feed my ox? Can I feed my, my donkeys and my beasts of bird? Can, is that work? Okay, well, the scribal law says, God said don't work. Okay, well, you can feed them, but you have to pour your feed in the bucket the day before the Sabbath. You can't pour it in the bucket on the Sabbath. If you pour it in the bucket on the Sabbath, then you can feed it. Okay, well, do I leave it in the feed room or do I carry it down to... Okay, well, you can pour it in the bucket, but then the bucket has to be so many feet from the stall. And on the Sabbath, you can pick it up, dump it in, and set it back down. As long as your feet don't move, that's work. Okay, well, how heavy of a bucket can I pick up? See, it's never ending. So what I'm telling you is the scribal law every day just kept adding another law and another regulation and another law, all trying to tell us what keep the Sabbath day holy is. When that's not in your heart, when you don't understand it's in your heart, I've got to keep the Sabbath day holy. When that's not in your heart, then you have a never-ending list that just continues to go on uh, and on and on and on about what you can do and what you cannot do and still not break that law of God. So when, when Jesus is talking about the, the law or, or the Apostle Paul, when we read about him talking about the law, he's talking about that scribal law that just man can't keep all that. If you live to be however long it is, you don't have time to read all of those laws that have been written on and on and on. The law just got away from God's intent. God did not want us to be in bondage by the law. The law was given to bring freedom to us. And we look at the law in such a negative light. Look, sin produces consequences in our life. Now, the reason God says don't murder, well, if God hadn't said that, then murder would be okay. No, if you kill somebody, you're going to have horrible dreams. You're going to think about it. It's going to eat you up. You're going to gnaw on the inside. You're going to see their face from now on. That's why God says don't do that, because he doesn't want you to suffer the consequences for the rest of your life of doing that. So God's laws are not negative. They're not to ruin your life. If we didn't have that law, then it's okay. It's not okay, and it will wreak havoc in your marriage if you do this. It'll ruin your life if you do this. So the law is not to ruin you, it's to bring freedom. Wow, I'm free. I'm free. Why? Because I'm not looking in my rearview mirror if police lights are behind me. I'm free. I'm not worried about somebody going out in my truck and finding what I got stashed under the seat. See, the law does not put you in bondage. It brings freedom to your life. Except for the Old Testament, through the Old Covenant, they begin to make you under bondage with the law. 
it started ruining people's lives because they were inundated with all of these laws that they couldn't possibly even keep up with. The immediate reaction to Jesus' teaching on grace and love and forgiveness is do away with the law and let my flesh do whatever it feels like doing. God created me with these desires. God created me with these desires and it's okay with him. God loves me and I can do whatever I want to. I didn't come to do away with the law. So you you got to get what he is saying here. the, the, The teaching and the dispensation of love and grace does not abolish the law. Now, Jesus couldn't be more plain in verse 17. Clearly, you don't do whatever you want to do. God doesn't want you suffering from the sin that doing what you want to do produces. Now, Jesus never checks up here. He goes right into an understanding of God's intent on the law is a heart issue. All right, let's read on. Verse 21. You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. But if you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But I say, if you're even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. When you are on the way to the court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge, who will hand you over to an officer, and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you paid the last penny. All right, let's look at this. You have heard. It has been said. These words are found in every paragraph. Follow with me. Verse 21, you have heard. Verse 27, you have heard. Verse 31, you have heard. Look at verse 33, you have heard. Verse 38, you have heard. Verse 43, you have heard. Jesus is referring to that scribal law that I'm telling you about concerning what has been said about the Ten Commandments. Jesus, at each one of these turns, is giving us the real meaning of that. Why God told us that. What is God's intent in doing that? Let's get started here. Verse 21. You have heard, thou shalt not murder. Verse 22. I say, anyone who is angry. Okay, we're talking about Exodus 20, verse 13. Thou shalt not murder. The real meaning of that law is anger. That's the real meaning of that law. We're talking about an anger issue of the heart. Now, man always has, always will, just wants to apply the law to the outward act. Well, at least I didn't kill nobody. You're missing the point of that. We're talking about a condition of your heart. Man always I mean, man fails to look inward. Mankind always wants to look outward and fix it outwardly. Now, stop right here. Let me digress just a quick minute from the point that I'm making. I'll come right back here in just a minute. I've heard this passage used by people who, number one, think it's wrong to serve in the military. Number two, think the death penalty is wrong. And they will use this passage for both of those. 
there is, and I'm not teaching on this right now, so I don't have time to go into this. You can study. There is a clear difference in the Bible, very clear difference in the Bible, between the necessity and the importance of our military, of the death penalty, to keep a society safe and free. And what Jesus is talking about here when he says don't murder. The Bible is very clear on the difference of those two. The Bible has a lot to say about the importance of the military and even refers to soldiers as being called by God for that service. Men and women who are called by God for that service, it's a calling from God. Let's make sure that we understand what God says when he says, Exodus 20, verse 13, thou shalt not murder. He's not talking about the death penalty, nor is he talking about our military and our active service. The Bible is very clear on that. Okay, let's pick back up. I just don't want any confusion or misunderstanding of what that's saying and what it's not saying. Jesus is teaching us murder is deeper than just an outward act. That, that's what you've got to see. Well, at least I, no, I never killed nobody. It, that, that God's intent is much deeper than just an outward act. It's an inner condition of anger, of bitterness. Uh, the word enmity is used. The word strife is used in the Bible. Murder is the outward act that is born within an uncontrolled heart and uncontrolled urges. Anger is the real issue. Anger is the real sin. The message of Jesus is you change the inner heart and the outward act will stop. We won't have to worry about the outward act if we could ever get to the inner person, in the, the heart of somebody. You, you don't have to control this outward behavior when you get a change in the heart. I mean, just the example here, I mean, we pass gun laws, we pass more gun laws, we want to pass stricter gun laws, we want to outlaw guns. Understand, the law controlling an outward act will never stop the outward act as long as you have an inner problem. We see a progression of events here. The growth of anger is very dangerous. And unresolved anger will grow. It doesn't just stay a little bit. It continues to grow and it festers and it grows and it festers. And unresolved anger will end up manifesting itself in outward acts. The inner problem in a person is never controlled by passing another law. And you need to know that. Look in verse 22. Let's move on. Progressive growth of a heart issue. Well, they didn't call somebody an idiot. Some of your translations say reka. That word is good for nothing. Contempt, scorn, despises. An anger from the inside that seeks to destroy a person. To cut a person down that's, that seeks to do harm to another person. It's a serious matter with God for you to hold feelings of anger. You're in danger of judgment. Look what it says. You're in danger of the fires of hell. Now, anger is not what you want on the inside of you. Let's just, quick Bible study. Psalms 37. Hold your place right there. We'll read a few scriptures. Lots and lots of places the Bible addresses this. Psalms 37, verse 8. Psalms 37, verse 8. Stop being angry. You know, the Bible is just so hard to understand. 
I just don't get anything out of it. It's just so hard to understand. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. Let me tell you what that means in the Greek. Stop being angry. All right, flip over to the next book in the Bible, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32. Proverbs 16, verse 32. It's better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a whole city. We have to have some self-control. Chapter 19, verse 11. Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Let's go to the New Testament. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Now's the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. You get rid of this. Go on to the Bible toward the back of it to James, right past Hebrews. James chapter 1, verse 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. All the way toward the back of your Bible, 1 John chapter 3, verse 15. 1 John chapter 3, verse 15. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. There's just a lot that the Scripture has to say about the topic that Jesus is on. Go back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice here at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. The answer to reconciliation, I mean, the, anger, the, the answer to anger is reconciliation. That, that's the answer. Well, how do I deal with my anger issues? You reconcile. You, you make it right with that person that you are consumed with anger over. Now, Jesus had a surprising thing to say about this. A, a, a shocking thing to say about this. This precedes worship. Now, I don't know if you catch that as you're reading that. Boy, I thought worship was the most important thing we could do. Come to the altar and just worship God and come, oh God, I love you. Oh God, I just love you. You can forget all that if you've got some anger issues. You, you leave all of that and let's go handle this. Now think about what he's saying here. I mean, if you ask anybody what's the most important thing in the world you could ever do, it would be to worship God. Well, not if you got an anger issue. Not if you got an anger issue. He said, you just leave that at the altar. Don't be running down here at the altar and doing all that worshiping God when your heart's not right. You, you're mad, you're, 
full of bitterness, you're full of anger, you need to get that right with that person. Go handle that, then come back down here. Now look at verse 25. It's very, very, very interesting here. The danger of anger is twofold. Number one, there is an earthly danger. You have legal lawsuits, you're going to be thrown in jail and throw you in prison. Number two, there is an eternal danger. We start talking about fires of hell. So we got, this thing here is pretty tough. This is pretty tough. Verse 26, the end of anger is judgment. The end of anger is judgment. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must stand before Christ to be judged. And we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil that we've done in this earthly body. You know, we, we in the church, we preach and we get on a soapbox or we get on an issue and we preach that and preach that and preach that. And then, well, we've got to move on. We can't just keep preaching that and preaching that. So we tend to swing over here and we just preach this and preach this and preach this. And then, and so I've, I've lived long enough now to watch some different moves of the Spirit through generations. And I grew up reading some of the early revivalists that, that had an index finger that was four feet long. And they would wave it in your face. And they would get there, but you're going to burn in hell. <laughs> and I used to practice preaching. And God, uh, is going to come down. Uh, and you will burn in a bit hell. A little dramatic. A little, little dramatic. And we talked about burning in hell. And every time we came to church... We were told we was going to burn in hell. And we were shown videos and movies of hell jumping up and people screaming and sinking down in hell and their face melting and hell and burning. But you're going to burn in hell. And every sermon was about burning in hell. And if you didn't come down tonight, you're going to burn in hell. Well, okay, okay. Well, you know, God loves you. I don't know if you know this. But God forgives you. I don't know if you're aware of that. All I'm aware of is I'm burning hell. I remember being in college. Boy, we were in a, I mean, one of those sermons. My roommate, he was about 275. He was big. He got me by the hand. He said, I'm scared. I'm going down front. I said, man, we've been saved 15 years. I know I can't take no chances. (laughs) He had us so convinced on our way home, we were going to die in a car wreck and we were going to hell. And boy, he started, I mean, the flames were jumping up at our feet right there in that pew. And I mean, I could, I could feel the devil's heat on me, right? I mean, he could paint it now. And we didn't have a chance of getting home without killing ourselves in a car wreck and burning in hell. That's exactly what was going to happen. Well, could we preach about God loves you? Could we tell folks that God forgives you? Could, I mean, could we do a little of that? Okay, well, we start doing that. And, and we've done a dang good job of it. God loves everybody. I got some news for you. You're going to burn in hell. And if you're not right with God, you're going to hell for all eternity. Yeah. 
fires of hell. But you know, we just got over here and got to preaching how much God loves you and how God forgives you and you just live like you want to and do anything you want to do and God's going to overlook you. Nobody has looked at you and pointed their finger and says, big boy, you're going to hell for all eternity for the earthly, for the things you've done in this earthly body. You're going to burn in hell. Ooh. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to come in here and preach that every Sunday. Well, we might need a little of it. This generation might need a little of it. Oh, God loves me. God loves me. Oh, I'm just coming down here and just, oh, God, I worship you. I wor-. You're going to hell. <laughs> well, all that you're carrying on right here until you get your heart right, until you have an interchange the fires of hell await you. You ain't impressing God with all that. You better leave all that at the altar and get your life right and then come down here and worship Him. You know, we, we just swung away from this. Now, I'm not advocating that every single Sunday y'all come in here and get ready for me to spit on you and tell you how you're going to burn in hell. I'm probably not going to do that. But at the same time, our church needs to know the fires of hell are very real. And you will stand before judgment. And the end of your anger is judgment. And you need to get that right. You need to get that right. For we'll stand before Christ to be judged. And we'll each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil that we have done in this earthly body. I'm just reading the red letters here in the Bible. You are in danger of the fires of hell. We often laugh at our anger. Ooh, I got anger issues. I tell you, I get mad at a drop of a hat. And you know, the truth is, there are many people that, that deal with anger in their heart, and they've had anger issues for years and years and years. They, they, they live mad. They live angry on the inside. And, and, and anger can develop at, I mean, early age, two years old. You know, it's shocking. You can see a little two- or three-year-old. I mean, red face, teeth clenched, fist, double back, stiff. Whoa, it's shocking the anger that even a little child, an infant, can display. And, you know, and there's a lot of folks that grow up without a loving, tender, kind home. They grow up in a home where a mom or a dad is a drill sergeant and barking at you and get up, get up and get dressed and get your money, get your lunch, and get your homework and get in the car, get up, hurry up, get back in the car, let's go. You're about to be like, you know, they just, they've just been inundated with, with no love and no tenderness and just a mean dad. They, they got a mean mom and it can put anger in the heart of a kid. And, and there are people that are angry 
they, they just have an anger issue. Maybe they don't even know who their mom or who their dad is. They just grow up on the street in gangs and at a very early age. And, and they, they, they're mad. They're mad because they're hungry. They're mad because they don't have a house like that one. They're mad because they don't have a life like this other kid that's in their classroom. And they, do, they look around and they've been injustice. They have received an injustice in life. And, and they're mad and they're angry because life hadn't been fair for them. And because of their situation or their this or their that, there's anger. And, you know, you get angry and then a drug deal doesn't go to suit you and you shoot somebody. But see, the anger was the issue. See, you, you got anger inside you and, and your girlfriend said something that you didn't like and so you just beat her to a pulp. Well, it wasn't the beating of the girlfriend. It was the anger that was on the inside of you. And she just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time and said something. And then what was inside you boils out. I mean, we got a, a, a wife or we got a husband that's being abused. And, and that, where is this violence coming from? It's coming from inside the heart. And that's what Jesus is talking about. You've you heard, don't murder. I'm telling you, it's a heart issue. I'm telling you, Jesus is saying, look, guys, the intent that God is talking about is what is in the heart. Verse 23, this is just a wow to me. Leave your sacrifice. Go get, make no mistake about how God views anger. When he says, leave your sacrifice and go get this anger issue right. Make no mistake about how God views anger. This has got to be a priority for us especially those that anger tends to plague you. You can't let anger find a home inside your heart. And I get that. Bad's happened to you. Injustices have happened to you. I, I get that. I, 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 I'm sympathetic and I hate that and understand. What I'm telling you is you can't let anger find a home inside your heart. You can't let anger begin to fester and grow on the inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all know, don't murder somebody. But I'm telling you, it's not, well, I've never murdered anybody. Yeah, but you got something growing on the inside of you that's not going to be good. You got something, I'm not talking about have you shot somebody. I'm telling you, you got something that's on the inside of you. And when God said don't murder, he was talking about an inner condition of your heart. Jesus said, you've heard, man's interpretation of what this is you know we look at even today our interpretation you know our courts it's often a joke we're not looking for a guilty situation our rights weren't properly read to us so you got people that get off Uh, search wasn't done properly so you got guilty people that get off Uh, well they were out of their mind at this time so that gets you off of course everybody was out of their mind at that time How does that get you off? In the giving of the law, always know God's intent is a heart issue. And until we address the anger in the hearts of teenagers, until we address the anger in the hearts of our children, until we address the anger in the the hearts of our adults, we're going to continue to see nightly shootings and violence taking place. And that's not a law issue. 
we're never going to pass enough gun laws. We're never going to hire enough policemen to stop violence when anger is in the heart of somebody. Changing the heart of man is the only option. Changing the heart of man is the only option. You know, and and we hear it. Terry and I talk about this all the time. We're told to have victory over violence. We need education. We need to have education. We're going to have the police put on a symposium down at the, at the center in town, and we're going to open up the convention, and we're going to do an education on violence. You, you can't educate a wrong heart. All the education in the world is not going to educate a wrong heart. Well, we need to have awareness. We're going to have violence awareness week. You, you can't make awareness when it's a heart issue. Stop violence. I like the marches. We're going to march for victory over violence. Marches are not going to do anything to get you wet, cold, or tired. All of mankind, all of mankind, ever since Adam sinned, clearly, obviously, with no dispute, are born with a sin problem. Since Adam sinned, all mankind is born with a sin problem. And until a person is born again, until a person comes to the place, not where they go to Bible school, not where they go to church, not where they go to a Christian school, not not where they memorize John 3, 16, until a person is born again, until a person dies to their self and that sinful nature and a new nature is placed within them. Jesus tells us right here, our problem is not the law. So our problem won't be fixed by our government passing more laws. Our problem is in the heart and with the heart of mankind. And until we understand it's a hard issue... You want to stop the violence in the inner cities? Lead them to Jesus. Lead them to Jesus. And let a born-again experience take place where they don't want to shoot anybody. In fact, is they want to go help somebody. So until you come to a place where you have a desire change. Now, I still mess up. I'm not, I, I still make mistakes and I still mess up, but I don't want to. See, there was a time in your life when you wanted to. I'm like the Apostle Paul writing in Romans chapter 7. I don't even understand myself. I want to do right and good grief. I go out here and do wrong. I don't understand that. It's a sin issue that's close at hand. And for us in here that are born again, always remember your sin nature is very close. It's very close. And I want you to remember this. When you do slip and you become angry, And something just burns you to the core. And you are mad and your neck is getting red. I don't, you don't have to talk to me about what it means to be angry. I know. I know the feeling. I know that burning in your neck and in your eyeballs. You're just, you're burning with anger. Let me just encourage you. You you need to reconcile that immediately. In your marriage, don't let that fester. When you're angry... Don't let that fester. 
in your family. Don't, don't let that fester with your kids. On the job, when you're angry and you're boiling mad, don't let that continue to grow. Your very best friend's going to make you mad. Your very best friend will anger you. Why? Because we're imperfect people. When your very best friend angers you, don't let that grow. Don't let that grow and grow and grow because it will not produce a good thing in your life. Get anger out. Daily get it right with one another so that we can be right with God. Y'all stand. Lord, tonight for each and every one of us, as we not look to the outward law, but we look to our inner hearts. Lord, those in here tonight that, that have anger issues, and we know we do. I want to get those right. We want to get those right with you. We want to get those right with other people. Lord, that we live our life in peace and in joy, not burning in hatred and anger in our hearts. Lord, tonight, those with anger issues, I ask that you would see, show them the importance of dealing with this, not allowing this to continue to grow and continue to fester and continue to grow. But, Lord, that we get our heart right and we let anger, we let anger go. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com. 